Support for this podcast comes from E6. E6 advances corporate executive recruiting by providing its 90 plus members with proprietary research, tools, training, and the networking they need for a competitive advantage. Members include the likes of BT Group, Philips, Booking.com, Mondelez, American Express, and Walmart. You can find out more at e6.org, and E6 is spelt E-S-I-X. E6 new book, Leadership Recruiting, Strategies, Tactics and Tools for Hiring Organisations, releases on Amazon in December. The book not only shows how great companies recruit great leaders, it reveals the history and best practices of this vital and sometimes secretive function. To get your copy, send your questions on corporate executive recruiting to simon at e6.org and say Matt Alder sent you. The best questions will receive a free copy. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 285 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Executive recruiting has always been seen as somewhat separate to the rest of talent acquisition. Search firms have traditionally dominated the market and digital transformation in this area has historically been very slow. However, A growing number of employers now have their own in-house executive recruiting functions and the COVID-19 pandemic is changing everything. My guest this week is Adriana Cavedo, Director of Executive Search and Onboarding at Intel. Adriana has spent the last eight years helping to develop in-house executive recruiting at Intel and has some great insights and advice to share. Hi, Adriana, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me here today. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Yeah, of course. I'm Adriana Quevedo. I am a proud Latina, born and raised in Costa Rica. I currently reside in Arizona. Um, I'm an industrial engineer by education, uh, but definitely a passionate uh, executive search leader. And uh, I've been with Intel for around 23 years in multiple roles and uh, most recently leading the Intel's executive search team. Fantastic stuff. And we're going to talk a lot about executive search in our conversation. Before we do, though, just give us a little bit more insight into your story. How did you end up where you are now? Good question. Well, um, you know, I started in the operational part of Intel uh, with doing new products introductions and, uh, you know, as an industrial engineer, you uh, oversee um, multiple areas of of the company. So I started to get involved more and more into the people systems uh, arena. And then uh, one day I said to myself, so why not doing stuff? And right, there was an opportunity uh, to manage the Latin American uh, staffing for Intel. And I jumped into that one uh, and I love it. And I've been doing staffing since then. So it's been... um, 
pretty much, uh, I would say, half of uh, my career I've been in HR. Half of my career I've been doing industrial engineering type of work. But uh, but yes, but I love uh, the human resources uh, area for sure. Tell us a little bit about the recruiting challenges that you have at Intel. Yes, uh, definitely executive search is an interesting challenge, right? But in a good way, right? Uh, searching for the right candidate, um, I would say that takes the right strategy, creativity, and um, it exercises or your skills, right? In, in trying to attract and uh, recruiting all those candidates. So when you get um when you get a leader higher, I would say that it's because all your stars have aligned. That's the way I see it, right? Uh, so I can mention a few challenges that we have seen in the past uh, or through the years. Um, definitely market availability, right? There is um, when we're trying to find a specific candidate, uh, sometimes very niche skills, right? There is not too many people in the market who can actually do the job, right? And that would also fit into the company's um, culture. So definitely the market becomes smaller and smaller if you start adding on top of that diversity, that which is another challenge for us, right? So uh, we want to make sure that we present uh, diversity in all our slates. And, um, and um, when you do that, uh, when you start trying to find uh, um, or, or search for females or search for unrepresented minorities, then obviously your pool of candidates becomes smaller. The other part that I would say that it's uh, always interesting is the relocation part, right? Uh, um, sometimes um, candidates do not want to explore opportunities because they don't want to relocate. They don't want to move, right? Uh, for personal reasons, for whatever reasons. But uh, but now in the COVID days, uh, definitely it's, it, it has brought a different perspective. Right, because now companies are becoming more and more flexible regarding location. The other part I would say is uh, is tenure. Right, there are people that are happy in their jobs and don't want to move. Uh, there are people that uh, we call them uh, lifers, right, that have been in the company for a long time and uh, they just they just have uh, too much invested, right, in that company. So uh, there's nothing you can offer them in order for them to consider a change. And obviously, uh, the last, um, the last one that I would like to mention or, or uh, it would be, um, compensation, right? Compensation. It is not a surprise that, uh, some of these candidates, um, make insane amounts of money, right? So it's difficult for a company to attract them or to come up with an attractive offer in terms of salary and in terms of stocks. Uh, so this can definitely be a, a deal breaker. Obviously, there'll be lots of employers listening who don't currently do executive recruiting in-house. Tell us a little bit about what the executive recruiting team at Intel do and the level that you work up to? So um, at Intel, we our mission is pretty much to connect those industry leaders with our Intel opportunities, right? And uh, what we try to do is that we do this in a proactive way by networking, by trying to understand um, what are people currently doing and what are their career aspirations, 
but also we do it on a requisition based, on a more reactive way, right? Um, our scope involves uh, directors, senior directors, vice presidents, uh, as well as all the technical ladder, which includes principal engineers, fellows, senior fellows. So it's pretty comprehensive. You, you said you've been with the, the team since it, it started. How, how did it evolve and, and what have your sort of key learnings been as, um, as the team's built over the years? Yes. Well, I have been with um, doing executive recruiting pretty much uh, through the last eight years. So um, we, we started with a very small team. Right, and the team has evolved through time. Um, the volume has also quadrupled in time, and uh, we are working now. Our working model focuses on three different areas. So the first one, I would say, it is more related to market research and sourcing, and uh, this is more. This area is more candidate facing. Uh, so this area will focus on industry mapping, uh, doing market intelligence, uh, understanding competition, right? Doing proactive sourcing and, and screening um, candidates as well. Then we have the recruiting arm, which this one, this arm is pretty much uh, customer facing. Uh, they would do all the engagement with the managers. They would do all the requisition management. Um, we are now introducing candidate assessments uh, for the selection process. So they are also managing that part, the recruiters. And then obviously the offer development and delivery. And the last focus area, it is the uh, candidate experience. So in this in this part of the business, we focus on um, the candidate interview scheduling, all the travel, logistics. Um, then they also help us with all the assessment scheduling. Um, in here, we also uh, coordinate uh, all the networking events that we usually do with leaders, um, and they are—they're also now um, owning the onboarding part. So we do um, make sure that the candidate uh, is ready to start uh, within the, uh, the first day. As, as I mentioned before, uh, the team has been evolving through these last uh, eight years. Um, right now, I would say that our team is is very solid, composed of experienced members, and um, we have been able to build the right capabilities and, and reputation within the company. So uh, after so many years of working together, there, there are definitely some key learnings that I would like to share. Um, the first one is that it's obvious that every case is different, right? Every case is unique. And uh, it, that's why it's super important that when you're meeting with your uh, leaders, that you should set up clear expectations since the beginning. In, in terms of timeline, in terms of what is what they should expect, in um, in terms of quality service, uh, candidates, etc. So it's super important so they they can understand how long the process uh, will take. Then um, we have learned as well that um, having fun while we work hard, it's important and uh, to celebrate those wins, right? Because as I as I said before. Um, Finding an executive at this level, um, it's definitely a hard job and all your stars have to align. So once we get someone in the company, we, we definitely celebrate it. Um, 
getting some quick wins, uh, it's important to build relationships with your leaders you're working with so that you can build trust with them. So uh, having having those quick uh, wins can can help you um, build those relationships and, and, and getting your leaders to trust you even more. Um, the other one I want to mention is uh, you have to constantly demonstrate value. Uh, otherwise, your leaders will find value externally, and um, and uh, it's it's something that we are constantly making sure that we provide the right level of communication, that we make sure that uh, that uh, we are providing constant updates on the progress. So that part is very important. Uh, we say as well that customer obsession is a priority. Um, as I was uh, saying before, white glove service, uh, consistent execution. Um, we should also have some level of flexibility in this world. Obviously, um, we do not control people's schedules. So uh, we, we need to work around people's schedules and have that level of flexibility to make sure that everybody's happy. Uh, proactive sourcing is super critical and engaging with leaders in networking activities and, and it, it definitely takes time and it takes a lot of effort, but the return on the investment is really, really enormous. Um, it is critical as well to get your leaders feedback for continuous improvement. We always say that, uh, we want to continuously raise the bar and uh, through the leader's feedback, it is that we are able to continue to um, improve our process and, and make them more user-friendly for sure. Um, the, the internal partnership with uh, HR as well with business HR is critical because they are the ones that have access to the business. And obviously, uh, the partnership that you can develop with your business leader is also uh, critical because at the end, they are going to see that you are providing a strategic value to the processes. The, the benchmark as well. Um, has been critical for us. We are constantly benchmarking with other companies and understanding what other companies are doing. E6, for example, has been a great um, way of me uh, to find my my partners in the industry and and to have that open communication with them and seeing what what are they doing better that we can copy from them. So so having those lines of uh, communication is definitely uh, critical to continue raising that bar. And uh, we say that our success criteria, it is definitely when your leaders um, need to hire internally and externally, and um, you as a recruiter are in their speed dial, right? They can just, you are a phone call away, they call you or they text you, and you're available to help them in whatever they need. So that's when we say we have built uh, the right level of trust and that they uh, want you as part of their um, discussions and, and that you have a seat at the table. So tell us about the tools and techniques you use. In terms of, of tools, we, we we use a lot of uh, LinkedIn, of course. Um, we do a lot of uh, referrals 
um, for sure, those are one of our most important uh, sources of information. Um, we do a lot of networking as well with candidates. So as part of the proactive activities, we also search, um, uh, do a lot of research uh, on competition, on uh, conferences that are going on, right, which are those keynote speakers. So there's a lot of research that we do. Um, and uh, once uh, um, or before a candidate starts as well with Intel, we, we, we try to get as many referrals as possible from them. And uh, we also try to work with our leaders uh, to do some what we call the whiteboard meetings, which is pretty much mapping the market and understanding what, who do they have in their networks and who do they want us to go after. So we have a very good um, proactive sourcing strategy that help us identifying candidates ahead of time. And uh, in order for us to keep them warm and have them ready for when we need them. And do you work with any search firms at all or have you have you sort of replaced them with uh, the in-house resource that you have? In terms of uh, search firms, um, I think that more and more companies are moving away from uh, executive search firms. Um, the, for us, the cost of using a search firm for every BP hire, it is around eight times the cost of making use of our internal resources. So it's definitely, it definitely becomes expensive. Um, we use them usually on a five to eight percent of our requisitions on a yearly basis. Um, and, and yes, uh, my personal opinion is, is probably that it is beneficial to keep a good relationship with a few of them in case you need additional support. But definitely our internal recruiters have become so um, good at it um, and at understanding what our managers want that uh, definitely they are seeing the value that we can provide to the company. And what role does technology play in what you do? We know that technology continues to evolve and uh, disrupt industries, right? And uh, more and more companies are now um, identifying technology solutions or developing their own applications, right? To, to make sure that uh, their processes are more efficient, right? Uh, these these type of technologies definitely help a lot when you are managing high volume recruiting, right? But in my mind, um, executive search is more like an art. Uh, and, and why I say this, I say this because when you're trying to uh, attract a senior executive, you you require a lot of handholding and uh, you need to do white glove services pretty much right to make a difference in attraction in recruiting in in assessing those uh, senior candidates um so just recently intel implemented an artificial intelligence tool uh to search and to match candidates to our open requ um, requisitions or positions and um we in executive search we are keeping an eye obviously on how artificial intelligence can be integrated into our searches um and this tool can definitely match talent to the hard skills and identify potential candidates but definitely there is a big gap that, that we see in executive search. And it is when we need to qualify candidates for specific soft skills like communication, like time management, like leadership skills, 
right? So, um, so definitely that verification of uh, mastering those soft skills uh, that you see in, in resumes or that you see in profiles will require some level of con consultation from an, a recruiter, from a, a human uh, perspective, right? So uh, it is when interviews and assessments um, and all the work that executive recruiters do uh, will help verify those skills with the candidates. So, um, so definitely, uh, as as I said at the beginning, artificial intelligence and, uh, and automation can help us quickly sort and find uh, potential candidates. But uh, the true determination of those skills uh, needs to be judge or needs to be uh, um, assessed through the different methods that I just mentioned. You mentioned the importance of candidate experience and a white glove service in terms of persuading people to, to move and join the organisation. How has the COVID-19 pandemic changed things in terms of the way that you recruit, assess and, and onboard people? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. COVID-19 has definitely changed everybody's life, right? And uh, and uh, we will definitely be able to tell a story on how was our life before and after COVID, right? Uh, I see I see a lot of my friends in, in Facebook saying, I remember when or uh, we used to go here or we used to do this and that, right? So uh, it's, it's definitely uh, a historic event. Um, in our case, in Executive Search at Intel, uh, we have seen um, a sense of caution from candidates about making a move right now, right? Uh, uh, everybody's obviously nervous, right, about uh, the instability, right? right? Uh, but particular, big, big, particularly because candidates won't have a chance to meet anyone from the team in, in person, right, uh, or come to the site and, and see the facility. So I think that that is one of the things that uh, it's more difficult that uh, you're going to be interviewed by phone or you're going to be interviewed by, by video, right? So we're doing all of our screenings and interviews through video, uh, WebEx or Zoom or um, any tool available. Uh, but we still hear concerns from candidates uh, that are not being um interview face-to-face, -face, um, they, they feel that it makes it harder, right, to get a job. Um, we also have our coordinators and our recruiters uh, making sure that all those screenings or interviews um, get connected on time. So they are there at the start of the interview and ensuring all participants are connected and that they have good quality audio. So we're investing additional time in there. And uh, obviously, recruiters are doing an extra effort to stay connected with candidates and to stay connected with our interleaders and, and providing um, regular progress updates to, to make sure that everybody's connected. Um, what else? We, we are also evaluating the impact on having a flexible work uh, location or permanent uh, working from home policies. Um, so we're being more flexible in terms of relocation timelines. Uh, if a job requires you to move um, to the West Coast, so we, we are allowing a probably a longer transition for this move to, to take place. And, uh, and obviously for the onboarding, we have created a virtual I-9 process, right? Uh, to make sure that all the new hires start, uh, um, with it, that 
do not start without it. And uh, we also have uh, coordinators making sure that um, the candidates or the new hires have all the requirements uh, to start that first day. Um, with uh, regards to um, the tools, right, the computers, the phones, um, the accounts, right, the network accounts, um, and obviously access to all the different applications for them to be able to um, to to be on the orientation or integration um, since the first day. So, so definitely we have invested more in following up. We have uh, done more connections. We have provided constant communication. Um, I want to say that we are seeing probably a, a faster hiring process just because we are not coordinating the in-person interviews. So I think that the logistics are a little uh, bit more um, efficient in that sense. Uh, but definitely um, the face-to-face -face interaction is always beneficial. So it's completely impossible to accurately predict the, the future at the moment with so, so much uncertainty still, still around. But what's going to be your key focus over the next 18 to 24 months? What, what are you going to be innovating? What, what are you going to be focusing on? For Intel, diversity is our number one priority, right? And although we have achieved U.S. Uh, representation or representation uh, um, in the United States, our CEO wants us to continue focusing uh, for the next 10 years in um, increasing our global female representation. So now the goal is not only U.S., it's going to be global, uh, in which our female representation, it's definitely going to be um, increased. And then obviously um, on, the, on a U.S. level, we're also going to be working on the on the represented minorities leadership at the leadership levels. So we want to pretty much duplicate our current numbers um, for the for the Latinos, Hispanics, and African Americans, and um, and uh, American Indians, so uh, so definitely we're going to be making a lot of efforts there for the next ten years. So it's it's going to be a, a a journey for sure. Um, we're also working on the implementation of leadership assessments. Um, for a better position and culture fit. And uh, we are redesigning our interview process to make it more structured. So that's, that's taking place as we speak. Uh, we're doing now pilots with the uh, Corn Ferry assessment um, for all our BP levels all our BP positions and um, and um, we, we plan to have it fully implemented towards uh, the end of the year. Um, then, uh, due to COVID limitations, we also um, will need to figure out how are we going to continue doing our leadership networking events. For us, uh, these events were key um, in order to connect our um, leaders to industry leaders. So, um, we will definitely need to um, continue doing it probably on a more uh, online basis, but we will need to define uh, those processes. This is, this is critical for us uh, because it is how we develop those relationships on a proactive way and uh, how we put as well uh, new people um, in, the, in the eyes of our uh, Intel leaders. So um, it's something that we're also working on. 
And uh, the last item I want to mention as well, it is that our executive recruiters will become um, true talent advisors and and what I mean by that, it is that they are going to be recruiting inside of Intel and outside of Intel. So they're not only going to be focused outside, but they're going to also recruit um, um, our leaders internally, and they're going to be putting the best slates of candidates in front of managers. So it's going to be a very comprehensive approach um, in the sense that uh, we are going to be supporting the internal development for our leaders, and at the same time, um, we are going to be overlooking uh, the market and, and comparing uh, both internal and external talent. So it's it's going to become very interesting. Adriana, thank you very much for talking to me. You're welcome. Glad to be here. My thanks to Adriana. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow us on Instagram. You can find the show by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search through all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the podcast. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.